What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. Merry Christmas, Restoration Church, and to you as well, Caleb. Well, thank you. It's to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, our Christmas service, and we are so glad that you're joining us here uh, in the chapel. We've got a Christmas tree. We've got some sort of a nativity, although this is a very busy nativity happening. I don't know if that's actually biblical, uh, everything that's going on in, in, in here. But it's what we imagine when we think about Christmas, right? Yeah, I think it's safe to say it's not 100% accurate. There, I mean... There's a giant candlestick. I don't know how many people <laughs> had some sort of bagpipes, but uh, it was there. So we hope you're enjoying <laughs> your Christmas morning. We hope that it's been a blessing so far with however much snow it is that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, and you are spending some good time with loved ones or with your cats, whatever, <laughs> whatever your Christmas looks like. We're going to dive into a brand new series today called His Story, My Life. And what we're going to be doing for the next I don't know, year plus, is going to be diving into the life of Christ from his birth all the way to his ascension. Now, what's gone on? Uh, we just finished a series called Rebuild, and there it was about Ezra and Nehemiah. They were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They were rebuilding the temple. They were rebuilding their lives out of, after being in exile for so long. And now uh, we, we just celebrated uh, 400 years of silence is basically what this last week has been. 400 years of silence since the end of Nehemiah to where we're going to pick up here in uh, the Gospels of Luke and also the Gospel of Matthew. So uh, if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 1. You're going to go uh, to the center of the Bible, basically. Keep flipping Oh, it'd be this way for you, I think, right? Uh, is my staff saying the same? Like, you guys good? My staff is my boys. Am I flipping the right way at this point? I don't know. All right. So you're, you're going to be uh, turning to, till you find all the guy names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in Luke and Matthew. All right. So Luke chapter one, Matthew chapter one, uh, we're going to be in those gospels today. So we've got 400 years of silence. In my brain, I don't know if you're like me, um, but... Uh, I wonder why. Why 400 years? Why, yeah. why was there that much silence? Why did God wait all of this time 
to send the Savior into the world? Hmm. Uh, th- that's a question I get as a pastor sometimes. Why did God do all of the Old Testament before he even brought Jesus in? Now, there's a bunch of reasons why. Uh, the biggest one is because that's what God did, all right? And so we don't get to play God. But there is something very interesting that was going on culturally, politically, uh, at the end of this 400 years that made something possible. And thanks to the, um, the, the, the marvel of production and uh, graphics and all that kind of thing, what you're going to see right in this region right here is a map of the Middle East, <laughs> okay? And uh, in this map of the Middle East, what you're gonna see is, uh, you're gonna see Rome, it's gonna be, I'm not even gonna try. There's gonna be Rome, uh, there's Asia, there's Europe, uh, there's the, the Fertile Crescent, there is what would basically be Saudi Arabia, I believe that's correct. Um, Saudi Arabia, all of that area, and then you've got Africa below that. Now the most interesting thing, uh, when we talk about Rome, uh, some background on Rome. I know we're doing the Christmas story, but if you look in Luke chapter 2, it says in those days Caesar Augustus, and so we need to figure out who this Caesar fella is, right? So in Rome, what was going on for a long time was Rome was a republic, and then uh, there was this kid named Octavian, and uh, his grandmother was a sister of Julius Caesar, and mm-hmm. uh, that name might sound familiar to some people. He was a Roman leader, emperor, guy, ruler, (laughs) uh, Julius Caesar. Now, Julius thought Octavian was incredibly bright, a very gifted young child, and so he adopted Octavian as his own son. He had two other sons, uh, Lepidus and Mark Antony. You probably know the name Mark Antony. Not Mark Anthony, the one, the pop singer from, from South America, but (laughs) <laughs> Mark Antony, <laughs> it's okay, we can laugh. Uh, Mark Antony, the, uh, he was one of the kids of Julius Caesar and Lepidus, and then we've got Octavian, all right? So what happened? A year after Octavian was adopted, uh, Julius Caesar was murdered. He was killed by his best friend. Does anybody remember his name? Because I don't remember his name. Anybody? Somebody knows. Brutus. Brutus, you got yeah. it, yeah. His name is Brutus. Can't trust the Brutuses. Nope. So Brutus murders uh, Julius Caesar quite brutally, probably, because that's, uh, I can't get it there. All right. So he, (laughs) and so basically Rome is left to his three children, Lepidus, 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 I don't know how you would say his name, Mm. Uh, Mark Antony and Octavian. Now, Octavian and Mark Antony they took care of Lepidus pretty quickly. They drove him right out, and now Rome was split into two. And now, for several years, there's bloody violence for power and money. That's what they were after. That's what they wanted. Uh, Octavian and Mark Antony were fighting one another. Octavian finally beats Mark Antony, and Mark Antony had, had um, joined forces with somebody named Cleopatra mm-hmm. out of Egypt. Uh, and and Octavian beat both of them, making Octavian the ruler of Rome and took the title of Caesar Augustus, which is who we see in Luke chapter 2. Now, before all this, um, you know, everything was split up. Now, now all the shores of the Mediterranean are under one, under one rule, uh, Rome. 
It's in, 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 in your history books, this would be called the Pax Romana, which is the Roman word for peace. So it's Roman peace. For 200 years, there was Roman peace. I don't know if you could see that in the camera shot. 200 years. For the first time in history, there was peace in the area for an extended period of time. And so what that opened up was a whole lot of trade routes. Trade routes were extremely important back in that time. It was how business and commerce got done. What we think of a highway system, now we have planes. Before that, it was trains, and now there's all, all sorts of this stuff. That was the trade route. So, uh, again, according to this map that is brilliantly here, <laughs> post-edited in later, there is uh, a trade route that goes up to Rome from Egypt, uh, up to Rome from the Fertile Crescent, from Rome all the way over to Asia, Asia to Rome, and then coming in from the Mediterranean Sea, you also have trade routes coming that way. And wouldn't you know that one spot has all of those trade routes going through it? And so God is waiting 400 years because this is for the very first time news can travel fast through all the trade routes. And do you know where all of those trade routes go right through? Israel. More specifically, a little town called Bethlehem. And so, for the very first time in human history, there's trade routes that are available where news can spread fast. So if you want to put the Savior of the world in one spot, if he's going to come down on earth to save the world from their sins, there's one spot that you want to put him, and it's literally the one spot that Jesus was born. Because then in that moment, all of the news can travel. It's unhindered news that can travel. What we're going to find out in this series of His Story, My Life is uh, Jesus didn't travel all that far. I forget what the numbers are. It's about 16 miles wide by about maybe 30, 50 miles, I want to say, north and south. That was the extent of His traveling. And that word, that mission, went all over the world. And now it's impacted you and me. We count time by, by the birth of Christ. Uh, obviously, Jesus is the reason for the season. And so we're going to be doing this entire series. And so that's the backstory of what's going on as we get dive in to the scripture, to the series. And uh, we're going to start out with some scripture in Luke chapter 1. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm ready too. All right. Luke, uh, Luke, Luke chapter 1. I almost called Caleb Luke because I was reading Luke chapter 1. <laughs> uh, Caleb is here for a reason. He's not just like a hype man, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to get into that in just a moment, all right? Uh, and it's not because he's got his awesome Santa hat on, it's his uh, Buddy the Elf uh, ugly sweater on. Yeah. This is the ugliest sweater I I have, and mm -hmm. my wife is always like, that's not an ugly sweater, but I thought it was at one point, so yeah. this is me. All right, uh, he's going to be here for a reason, but right now, we're going to read Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. If you guys would please read with us uh, if you have your Bible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So in this bit of scripture right here, there's just a couple of things I want to bring out. Again, this is going to be a short sermon. Um, <laughs> believe that when you see it. Just a couple of things that I want to, I, I want to bring about here, okay? Number one, um, when we talk about Nazareth, we, we think of, we, we don't really, I don't know, I don't think about Nazareth that much, mm-hmm. uh, except Jesus of Nazareth. We hear it attached to his name. That, we know that's where he was uh, technically from. Even though he's born in Bethlehem, his father's from Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth was a very small town, 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee, six miles away from the closest major road, and no good water supply. It's a know-nothing town, and that's the town that Jesus came from. So maybe you feel like you come from nothing. You're a know-nothing. There's, there's nothing good that can come from, even that's, that's even talked about, uh, about Jesus. What good can come from Nazareth? It's not a place that's really going to be uh, high on your list of vacation destinations. Nazareth is not it. But this is where Jesus is from. And so if you feel like you're from a place that that just doesn't matter, or maybe you feel like your family's not that important, or maybe you feel like you're not that important in life, you're in good company because the Savior of the world was born in this place. Number two, um, uh, Mary responds with, how will this be? Now, there's two ways of asking this. Uh, her, Her relative by marriage, Zacharias, asked in skeptical unbelief. Okay, that's one way to ask, because Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, got pregnant in her old age. It says this, uh, it, she was barren, and she was able to have a child in her old age. And when the angel told Zechariah, he was like, how can this be? It was, it was filled with skepticism and uh, unbelief. He was like, no way, no way this can happen. The other way to ask this question, how will this be, is, um, is, is Mary asking in awe and wonder. It, it's like this... <laughs> How is this even possible, right? Uh, that can be in the positive and the negative. For instance, we're recording on an iPhone right now because <laughs> as much as we know, um, our camera uh, at Restoration Church was stolen, which is awesome. And uh, my thought going through that, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but this just made me think of it, <laughs> with awe and wonder <laughs> was how, how can this be, right? Uh, but that's good news too. Like it can be used in, with, with mm-hmm. good news. Um, and so Mary is, is believing the angel fully. How can this be? I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I'm putting you on the spot. I wasn't going to ask you this question where it's been like, how is this even possible right now? How can this be? Anything come to mind off the top of your head? Not really. Okay, great. (laughs) We did not plan like any of this, as is my way of doing Mm -hmm. things. And so um, I was just asking. It happens. (laughs) I only asked you to do one thing, and that was not the thing that I asked you to do. All right. Uh, um, Yeah, so uh, one other thing is verse 35. It says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. 
uh, will be called holy, the son of God. God. Uh, it says that he will be called holy, the son of God. He wouldn't become the son of God. This is important theology, all right? Jesus didn't become the son of God. He already was the son of God. He already was holy. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us that uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus didn't become holy. He didn't become the son of God. He was already holy. God in flesh came down to the earth to be born so that he would one day die for us to save, to, to, to save us from our sins. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of, of, of Christmas morning. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So um, Jesus always was. He didn't become. So that's a very important distinction. Now we're going to go on to Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. I've asked Caleb if he would read that portion of Scripture. So, Caleb, take it away. (laughs) And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, a uh, couple of things in there too, all right? Number one, God is going to call you to do difficult things. He, it, it would have been way easier for Joseph just to divorce her quietly mm-hmm. and just go off into the night and be like, you're safe, you're secure, I don't want any part of this. And he wasn't wrong in that thinking either. But thankfully... The angel of the Lord, one of the angels of the Lord, this isn't Jesus who showed up. Typically in the Old Testament, if the angel of the Lord shows up, it's Jesus. But Jesus is, it's a Christmas story. (laughs) He's about to be born, all right? Um, And angel of the Lord comes in and says, Joe, don't do that. Uh, This is is from God. And he obliges. He follows with what God calls him to do, even though there's probably going to be shame, even though uh, just from, from society type of shame, even though people are going to be, have questioning looks, even though this is going to be the most difficult thing that he's ever done, he still does it. God calls us to do difficult things sometimes. It's not, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, that um, you know, we don't, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? God is going to give us more than we can handle. We have the saying that, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Not true. God is going to give you more than you can handle. That's where faith steps in. So you can do the right thing the wrong way, which is what jo- Joseph was going to do. He was going to do the right thing. No, that's not true. He was going to do the wrong thing the right way. There we go. Mm. You can do the right thing the wrong way. So he could have divorced her, but made a big public proclamation of it saying, look at this woman, she's pregnant and I'm not the father and now I'm divorcing her. He could have heaped shame on her, but he doesn't do it. So he could have done the right thing the wrong way, which in his mind, the right thing was to divorce her quietly. Uh, You can do the wrong thing the right way, which was actually what he was about to do. He was going to divorce... um, 
marry, and he was going to do it quietly, even though it was going to be the wrong thing in the grand scope of what, what God's called. It's a special thing when you do the right thing the right way, which is inevitably what Joseph does. And we don't hear a lot more about Joseph after this story, um, but in this moment, he's doing the right thing the right way. And when that happens, it's special. God is going to move in your heart and in my heart and in people's hearts when we choose to do the right thing the right way. Mm. Lastly, verse 23 says, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so begins a 33-year miracle of God in human form. There's one brief moment where the miracle is paused on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus uh, reveals his God self with Peter, uh, James, and John that are on the mountain with him. And Moses and Elijah come down on either side. And it's this beautiful thing. That's the one moment where the miracle of Jesus the human is paused and Jesus the God shines through. This is God with us. All right, Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7. And then we're going to get into the last part of this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. They're laughing. Did I say that wrong? Uh, Quirinius. I don't know how else to say it, you guys. All right? Just a funny name. Oh, okay. Quirinius. Is that better? They're all laughing. I think you're That's going backwards. Worse. Right. Worse. Okay. I should have people in here all the time when I do this message. This is great. Um, uh, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph, got that one right, uh, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to Judea uh, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's important. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I love the Christmas story and I love how underwhelming it's written. (laughs) The savior of the world is born for all humanity. Jesus Christ comes down in the flesh and is born of a virgin Mary and it just says, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. That's it. I don't know why I love that so much, but we, we, we tend to make this Christmas season so much bigger, so much, so much co- more complicated. And, and, and the simplicity of the story of, of the gospel, the story of Jesus, is he came down, was born to uh, a family of a no-account town, they didn't even have room in the inn, basically is in a cave, lies down, uh, is born and is put in basically a feeding trough for animals, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was basically torn fabric that would wrap the baby in. That's it. That's, that's the story. Um, and... and and we make Christmas so much more. There's so much hustle and bustle all around. Man, no one can even recognize the Savior of the world anymore, God in flesh. And it's just like the Christmas story. You think about it, there's no room for them in the end, right? So there's, there's, there's 
uh, it's, it's very busy. Everybody's trying to do the, the tax thing to be registered wherever they were at. And there's so much people, there's so many people, there's no room for the savior of the world. And so he's relegated to a cave. He's relegated to a stable, basically. And then the savior of the world, God in flesh is born and nobody notices because they're so busy. And I hope that's not the case this Christmas season. I hope this Christmas season you have not been so busy that you've forgotten about the Savior of the world. Because this is who completely changed the world that saved you and I. This is a beautiful thing, the Christmas story. And so what I want to do with the rest of the time we have left, this is why I brought Caleb in, <laughs> is uh, what we're going to be doing with this series of his story, my life, is we're going to be uh, sharing some, some stories of our own about what Jesus means to us. And now, once we get back to the brewery uh, next week, we've got a graphic that's going to be behind us, and we're going to have some markers available. If God has impacted your life in some sort of way, we want to know how God's impacted your life. And so there's going to be some markers on there, and we want you to write just a brief, you don't need to write paragraphs, all right? Just a brief paragraph of what Jesus's story has done for your life, what the, what the life of Christ has done for your life. And we're going to write that on the board. Hopefully, by the end of this series, that entire board is filled with stories. And so we're going to start right here today with Caleb. Um, and, and I did ask him this before, so <laughs> it's not going to, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But Caleb, I just wanted to hear from you. Um, Caleb is our student ministries guy and also our digital marketing guy. Uh, and so I wanted to hear from you and I wanted people to hear from you about who Jesus is to you and what he means for you in this season, in your life, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jesus is a lot of things to me. Um, the biggest story in the Bible that I go back to, like when I think about my life and what Jesus has done, is in Luke 15, and it's the story of the prodigal son. Um, I know most people have heard that one or have different like verses in, in their home or things about it. It's a very popular story, um, and a lot, but I, a lot of times it gets overlooked. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, like surrounded by like we would we'd be at church like. Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Saturdays if they had stuff, Wednesday nights, literally every time you could be there, I was there, Christian school, all of those things. And so it just became like a habitual thing for me um, of just day in, day out, Jesus. I had so much knowledge, like I could quote so many verses, um, but I just, I didn't feel it, any of it. Um, and so like, I was just going through the motions a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that came to like a huge uh, head like in middle school, high school when I just started actually becoming more of a thinker for myself and actually like realizing things and uh, I just kind of like all of the doubts of like high school years just kind of crept in and I just turned away from everything that I had been doing and just kind of started living my own life. Um, I fully believe I got saved when I was um, much younger. I was in, I believe, second grade it was. Um, but I just had just so many doubts, and I was falling away from everything. I got into the wrong scene with the wrong people and surrounded myself with the wrong things. Um, and it wasn't until, like, like my first year of college when uh, some mentors from my church just kind of, like, reached out to me and, like, pulled me back into a church setting that I was able to uh, 
actually reorient and again think for myself on a lot of these things. So like that's why I go back to the prodigal son um, because it's so um, it's so reflective of my own life. Like there's a lot more that there's so much more in this like this story deeper than like what I'm just saying. But um, and so it's just super encouraging to me um, to see that like. Uh, in the story, the father sees the son off, and he doesn't wait for the son to come up and embrace him. He gets up and he runs to the son, um, and that's something that always gets me because, like, we have a father who loves us so so much that he was—he's running to us. He knows we're gonna mess up. That's what we do. We're humans. We uh, sin. It's just what we do. We're great at it, and it mm -hmm. sucks. Um, but he knows that, and he still gives us that free will to choose him and uh, then he runs to us when we're um, when we're ready and it's it's awesome um, that's just a way I've seen him I know it, it kind of goes back to like the the old par not parable like the poem of the footprints in oh. the sand thing <laughs> um, honestly I hated that I hated that growing up because yeah. like it was so overused yeah. in like the Christian bookstore everything yep. Like my mom had like the little like thing and yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, that's so annoying. But it's, it really does hit it on the head of just yeah. like when you don't see the two footprints, you're like, wow, I had to do this all by myself. But it was him that was carrying you the whole way. And that was so true for like most mm. of my high school years. And I just, and even into college, I just look back and I'm like, wow, I, just a few different decisions and I could have just not even been here where I am today. I've struggled with a lot of just different things um, and so many different outcomes. I, If you had asked me like just like five, ten years ago if I would have been in ministry at all, I would have said absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. I feel no call to it. Like it's still like it's crazy how far that Jesus has led me in not only just in my life but in ministry now too and it's just awesome to see where he's working and where he's leading as I um, continue forward and yeah that's, that's awesome. it's just a lot yeah cool cool well we want to make sure that we wish you guys all a Merry Christmas uh, Caleb thank you for sharing yeah. uh, what Jesus has done in your life um, we want you to reflect today uh, maybe chat with your families or your cats on uh, what Jesus has done in your life and um, if you're looking back and thinking like man I don't know if I've ever experienced Jesus in my life. We would love to come alongside you and um, help you experience Jesus in your life. Uh, you can invite him into your life today, and that would be a pretty incredible Christmas gift. Uh, it's just a simple repentance of your sin and asking him to come into your life, and, uh, and he will. So um, we're going to pray, and then we will let you get back to eating monkey bread and mm. drinking orange juice and hot chocolate and presents. Well, hopefully you're not drinking your presents, but well, yeah, but getting back to them. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for this day, Christmas day, God, that, that, uh, you came down and, um, set in motion our salvation. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you did come down. Uh, God, thank you for the cross that you would go to on our behalf. Uh, God, I pray for each person. Uh, 
that's watching, and I pray that you fill their hearts with joy. Um, I know this is not always an easy holiday, uh, but God, it's about you, and so we want to put our focus on you. And we love you, and it's in your precious name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>